couple weeks ago, uh, I quoted from The Incredible Hawk, uh, from one of the Marvel movies, and the time when he beat up Loki and said these inspirational words, puny God. Well, I'd like to begin with another quote from the hawk that I think he said many times, TV, movies, over the years, hawk smash. Uh, for those of you who don't know much about the incredible hawk, I had four boys, so we, <laughs> I know, uh, I've seen all the Marvel movies, um, but for those that don't know, quick bio on the Incredible Hawk. Uh, he got that nickname. Um, he's the uh, genius scientist, Bruce Banner. Uh, just a quick survey. How many have never heard of the Incredible Hawk? Is like anybody in the room? Okay, cool. All right, right? So you know, right? What? Hulk. Hulk. What are we doing here? What's happening right now? Why are you saying that to me? Am I not saying it right? Hawk, Hawk. We've all heard of the green guy. That's incredible when he gets angry. You know, now I'm going to be self-conscious the whole sermon. Thank you for that. Anyways, you probably know the backstory as he's experimenting on himself and with the uh, gamma somethings, and then he uh, ends up getting a thing where any time that he gets mad, right, he turns green and he gets big, big, and he just starts smashing things, and he smashes people, and it uh, becomes Hulk smash. Uh, the funny thing is, though, is, is that Bruce Banner, on the other hand, right, is this very meek and mild individual, but when he gets mad, the Hulk so what happens is either my mouth is faster than my brain or my brain is I don't know how it works but I sometimes have to pause and do one of those anyways my question is have you ever known someone like that you know someone that seems so nice and kind and then all of a sudden ah. maybe there's some here today that that would describe your life or relationship. You know, we're doing the Ten Commandments, and one of the reasons why we decided to do the Ten Commandments is because, in, in my opinion, they haven't always been taught the right way over the years. And they were taught with, like, all these restrictions and rules and, like, kind of this, like, man, you, you better follow these or you're going to be, like, in really big trouble. And we miss kind of the heart behind why God gave the Ten Commandments, first of all, to the nation of Israel, but then every single one of those Ten Commandments were repeated by Jesus or one of the New Testament authors, and so, which means that they're still in effect. Some of them can play out a little bit different because we're not under Old Testament law, but all of them, to some degree, are still in effect for our lives today. They still matter for us today, and and what we've been trying to focus on here is, is, and why we call our series, what we've called it is because really what God is wanting to do is give us the, a gift, not a burden, but a gift. That when we learn to live in obedience to these 10 commandments that he's given, I like to call them love rules, <laughs> that when we learn to do that, it's going to allow us to truly live a life well lived. They'll allow us to have holy and healthy relationships in our lives. And so all 10 of them 
matter. Not, not obey them or God's mad, but to understand them as God's desire to give us principles for our lives that are going to allow us to, to, to have joy and, 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 and happiness and, and, and all of those things, both with him and with each other. And today is no different. Today we look at the sixth commandment. It deals with anger. What's interesting is that God gave instructions to Moses on a mountain, right? The sixth of the Ten Commandments. Jesus also gave instructions to his disciples on a mountain. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. And both of them are addressing this particular area. Now, the, the command itself is really simple, really short, right? Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. Now, I don't want to assume that there isn't someone in here that's murdered someone. And I know some of your parents have felt like murdering your kids at some point. But, but the reality is, it's so easy to look at this commandment like, I'm good, never murdered anyone, sweet. I'm at least one for ten, all right? Like, at least one, I'm good. But as many as you know, and if you don't know, I want to read what Jesus had to say because Jesus actually expands what God is saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. He said these words, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, I don't want to dissect every word there, but, but just kind of the broader understanding is that what Jesus is doing here is he's saying that essentially anger, or certainly a certain type of anger, is really murder in the heart. And see, that's what, what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, because he, he, he goes to the heart of the matter. We're going to see this next week, right? Do not commit adultery, same thing, okay? But are you lusting inwardly for another person, right? So Jesus is expanding that and saying, it matters, your heart matters. Not just your appearance, not just your behavior, but the heart. Why? Because Jesus said everything flows from the heart, Healthy heart, healthy life. Unhealthy heart, unhealthy life. Unhealthy relationships. And so Jesus is saying, don't just pat yourself on the back, and for us today, that you, that you can join 99.6% of the people in the world who have never murdered someone. Jesus said, what about your heart, though? Have you felt such rage and anger in your heart? It was as if you wanted to see someone murdered. I want to start by saying this. Anger in and of itself is not sin. And I think a lot of you know that, but I want to remind us of that. Anger in and of itself is not sin. God created anger. It's an emotion that God created and that Jesus demonstrated. Remember at the temple? Two different occasions. Two different occasions. One occasion, he made a whip, and he went in there, and he, he whipped, I mean, you know, I don't think he whipped people, but he, you know, and they cleared. He tore over the tables. I mean, listen, the, the, he was not happy with people. <laughs> he, he showed anger. God, 
demonstrates anger. In, in fact, this might even be a little uncomfortable to think about this verse. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Let that soak in. Is God a God of love? Of course he is. But imagine God knowing everything about everyone, not even just actions, but the heart. Every day there are things that anger a holy God. And if you believe that God is perfect and holy as I do, that means that not all anger is sin. It really comes down to this. Sanctified anger is selfless. Sinful anger is self-serving. And that's how you can distinguish the difference, right? Is my anger, is it because my pride was hurt? Because that person talked about me and, and, and I'm angry because what people might think about me. Now the act itself, to be angry at the act, one thing. But does it cross a line where now you're angry, now you want to get back at them, right? Because it hurt your reputation. Well, that crosses a line from sanctified anger to sinful anger. And we've all struggled with that. I struggle with that. But there is a sanctified anger where the glory of God is not being demonstrated, where injustices are happening, right? And, and, and it leads us then even to selflessness, like, like to give our lives over to, to trying to, to, to help human trafficking. I, I hope, I hope that we all have a sanctified anger towards human trafficking. And I'll take it a step further. The, the biblical definition that God has for marriage, the way that God designed it, that God created a man and he created a woman, and what he created for the marriage relationship, the intentionality of many in our culture to dismantle that and to break that down, that makes me angry. Because marriage, as God defines it, a man and a woman, within the context of marriage, together, that, that that is God's design. It doesn't mean that, I, I, that, that we don't love. I, I hope we would love someone that, that's still homosexual or lesbian or, or transgender-ish. I, I hope that we would still love them like Jesus. At the same time, though, it makes me angry. And I'll take it a step further. It makes me angry that there's a lot of churches beginning to accept it because they're afraid of losing people. We, we are not called to attract people. We are called to make disciples who make disciples. That's the calling God has on our life. And that means we speak truth and love. But that makes me, it should. And if that leads to selfless acts, to do something about those things, then that is a healthy anger when, we, when it's applied then in selflessness, in love towards others. Does that make sense? Our focus is not sanctified anger today, just so you know. Sorry. Somebody like, oh, man, <laughs> rats. No, it's, it's the sinful anger that's really fueled by our own pride and ego and, and selfishness in our lives. You know, God and Jesus both said that anger that is selfish, that doesn't build up, is, is sin and there's consequences. Then what the Apostle Paul does in Ephesians, he gives us very practical advice. Don't you love this about the Bible? The Bible doesn't just say, don't do that, that's wrong, good luck, right? 
It, it shows us how to change. And of course, the gospel <laughs> is what brings transformation. But then it, it gives us practical ways to deal with things. Amen? For instance, Jesus said, love your enemies. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. But then he says, bless them and pray for them. He gives you two ways to start taking steps that will begin to change your heart towards your enemies. And it's the same thing here, right? We're not to have a sinful anger. Okay, but, but how, do I, like, how do I stop that? The Bible tells us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27 says this. Be angry and do not sin, Right? So there is an anger that is not sinful, like I mentioned. Be angry and do not sin. Now look at this practical advice. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now this doesn't literally mean the sun can't set while you're still angry and there's still something unresolved. Like, oh, 30 minutes, I got to drive over to that person's house. Oh, we only got 15 minutes to write this. That's not what that means, of course. It's metaphorical. But the idea is, catch this, the idea is don't let the sun set on issues that are unresolved. Don't let the sun set without addressing why you're feeling this way in your life and just move on and think by stuffing that, that somehow that dealt with it. Because Paul goes on to say, you do that. And it will give an opportunity to the devil. <clears throat> Do not give no opportunity to the devil. Some translations, excuse me. Some translations use the word foothold. Don't give a, a foothold to the devil, right? You get that idea, right? It's, it's a beautiful picture, right? Uh, uh, well, it's an ugly picture, but, you know, right? Well, you don't deal with that anger. And it's so easy, isn't it, to say, well, I didn't lash out, I didn't punch him, I didn't yell, I didn't cuss, I mean, you know, I didn't even, like, respond. But inwardly, you don't deal with that, right? It's a foothold. And you've just opened, I've just opened a part of our heart for Satan to get in there and do his ugly business, to create some hardness of heart and some bitterness in our lives. I want you to remember this. Well, let me first tell you this. There's, there's typically two types of people here. There's spewers and there's stewers. You know what I mean? We all know spewers, right? They're very volatile. They, it, it doesn't take much, <laughs> right? You know, go clean your room, ah, stinking kid. You know, it doesn't take much. Spew. Right? Then there's stewers, right? Stewers... Doesn't mean they don't have anger issues. It just means they stuff, stuff, stuff it in there, stuff it in there, stuff, stuff, stuff it in there. They stew on it, right? They stew on it. So it's okay. That confession is good for the soul. Most people are one or the other. Let's just take a survey. And do not answer for your spouse if you're here with a married person. Trust me, that will not work well for you. Okay. Don't think I don't see people doing this sometimes, okay? I see that out there. That's why we keep all the lights on, so I can see. No, no, just kidding. All right, if you tend to be a spewer, raise your hand. Okay, 
Okay, you, you tend to be a stewer. Raise your hand. Yeah. That's pretty normal, and that's what I figured. Yeah. They're normally more are stewers than spewers, okay? I tend to be a stewer. Um, but, but here's what I've discovered over time in my life. And so, so man, I, I hope that whenever you come in here, you know that I'm talking to us, not at you, but to us from God's word. Because I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. Right, we're, we're all on the same place there, right? Amen? So here's what I've discovered. And, and I want you to leave remembering this. Ready? If you don't let anger go, it will only grow and eventually blow. All right? Will you say that with me? If you don't let anger, it will and eventually if you don't let anger, it will, and eventually, it's true. That's how that works. I'll give you an example. In our family, we simply refer to it as the lawnmower incident. I was a youth pastor in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. See, they can't even take hearing this story again. It, it brings so much shame to the family name that they're, they're like, we will not stand and be a part of this. So embarrassing, Dad. You're so ungodly. Yeah. See, I mean, that's how bad it is. Um, I was a youth pastor in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and it was just, it, it was like some things were piling up. There was one uh, relational issue, wasn't dealing with that, and just also in a season of just, like feeling like I still loved youth ministry, but you know, and but wasn't sure what what got in that, and just you know, we all know right what I'm talking about, right? You just, you know, and you just kind of stuffing, you get really busy, and you just kind of stuffing it, and it was like 90 degrees, and I had to go mow the lawn. It was like I was becoming that that neighbor that everyone talks about, you know? It's like okay, I gotta hurry up mow this, I mean, because we lived in the parsonage next to the church, you know which makes this even worse when I tell the story. <laughs> and everyone knew it. <laughs> and uh, the lawnmower, you know, started it up fine, and like get half, the, half of it done, and it, you know, of course I'm, oh, I'm out of gas. No, I'm not out of gas. So start it up. Goes up for a little bit. And each time, it's just a little bit more. Okay, okay, I don't know, then finally started. I mean, I'm like literally sweating, you know, and all that stuff. And, um, but I didn't want to take my shirt off, make the women lust in the neighborhood. So I <laughs> kept my shirt on, um, you know, I want others to stay pure, you know, and I kept doing that. And, and like, it just kept worse and worse and worse. And then finally, I mean, I, I'm just, <laughs> it is, this is not an exaggeration. I, I went psycho on that lawnmower. <laughs> I started cussing with cuss words. I didn't even know were cuss words that had been buried somewhere. Like, you know the saying, you know, uh, cussed like a sailor? Like, I would have made a sailor blush, I think. Like, I just went psycho, and I picked up the lawnmower and literally heaved it as far as I could throw it. And my kids will tell you, I'm not prone to violence, okay? I'm a teddy bear, they would say, really, most of the time, you know? Um, and like, so the first thing I did was not repent of my sin. I looked to see if anyone saw it. <laughs> it's like, what? You know? 
And, uh, you know, of course, you know, repent of the Lord. And, but, but this is the point of the story. It wasn't the lawnmower. No, that wasn't. That's just what, right, <laughs> blew it open. But it wasn't a lawnmower. And what I'm going to do in the rest of our time is, is to ask you to explore if you're struggling with some anger issues. To not settle because, and I've been guilty of this, and, and, and so God has really helped me grow in this area. I think sometimes churches and pastors are guilty of behavior modification. We want to change people's behavior when we need to go to the heart. Because every behavior flows out of the heart while still recognizing, even with a healthy heart, you still have a sin nature the side of heaven. You're always going to navigate the heart. But we want to fix the behavior, fix the behavior, and then people coming back to that same sin over and over. Why? Because there's a reason why we go to certain things. And it starts in the heart that something's broken, something's unresolved, something there. So that's what I want to do. I don't want to say, stop being angry this week. I want us to go to the heart and ask ourselves, is there something going on there that needs some healing. Come on, hear me, church. The kind of healing that only the Abba Father can do in our life. So I want to give you three ways to put anger to rest in the remainder of our time together. Number one, identify it. Identify it. And so what I don't mean, if we want to go back to my example, to identify it, I don't mean I cussed really bad and I beat up my lawnmower. I mean, yes, I need to confess that sin, but identify what am I really so angry about? So identify it. What, what's fueling it? And, and, and you might not even know. You know, you know what I'm gonna suggest, just real practical? Get alone with the Father. Worship. Come to him. Adore him, but also come, Father, I'm broken and I don't know why. Reveal it to me. Show me in my inner man, in my inner woman, what it is that's causing this. What's the root? Or roots, maybe a couple things that's behind this. Does that make sense, church? Identify, not just the behavior, but what's the real issue that's causing that kind of Anger in me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, and those are all just really essentially forms of anger, along with malice. Put away those things. Put away those things. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. And this is where I'm, we're landing with all of this today, and the things I'm going to say the remainder of the time. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Remember Psalm that I read earlier? Every day there's something that causes God indignation. Let's personalize that. There's probably something that could cause God indignation every day with each of us, with us in nature. 
But aren't you thankful that instead of spewing or stewing and then eventually exploding, God forgives those things time and time again. Come on, church. Sometimes I quote people, and I just, because someone asked me about this on, on a previous book and person I quoted, sometimes I will quote an author and I'll quote a book, most of the time things that I've read a while back. That the quote is good, the theology is bad. Of not of the quote of the person. So I just want to, I want to, this is not about this person. I, I just want to, so like, for instance, Brother Lawrence, I quoted him a while ago. I disagree with a lot of his theology, but there's a couple things that, that was helpful still, despite a lot of disagreement, and this would be the case as well. I'm gonna quote someone who's gone in a direction that has great concern to me, so I'm not endorsing this book. I'm not asking you to get it or anything. But when I read it a long time ago, this particular part really challenged me, and that's why I'm risking that <laughs> to share this, because I think it is very helpful. By the way, believers and believe, unbelievers can still speak truth, and God can use that. So that's why I'm just to set that up. And here it is. The root of anger is the perception that something has been taken. Something is owed you, and now a debt-to-debtor relationship has been established. I have to give credit. I forgot it's not even up on the screen. I'm quoting from Andy Stanley in his book, It Came Within. Okay? So, in other words, catch this. Unresolved anger, an unforgiving heart, says, you have wronged me, you owe me, so I'm holding on to this anger until you make it right. I may agree, disagree with a number of theological directions Stanley has gone, but, but I do believe he's dead on on that particular point. That's what we do. Come on, church. I have the right to be angry. We hold on to that. It's my right. You don't understand what this person did. It's my right. E.H. Chapman said this. I love this. Never does the human soul appear so strong and noble as when it forgoes revenge and dares to forgive an injury. It, it's e I shouldn't say easy. It's easier to love the people that love us. <laughs> it's a lot easier to love people who are kind to us. It's a lot harder to love people who stab us in the back. I wouldn't trade 30 years of ministry for anything. We have been blessed beyond measure. Our kids, my wife, every church, they were treated well. And I was treated well most of the time, too. Not every elder liked me. I like to think outside the box, and that doesn't always go well with some. <laughs> I didn't get along with everyone. I'm not thinking of anyone here, by the way, in case you're wondering, any of our elders here. But you know what? There's still times in 30 years you're going to get you're stabbed in the back, right? There's times you're going to love someone and just pour into them, and then you say one thing they didn't like, we're going to a different church now. It's like, 
dang, I've like poured three years into your life and there's one disagreement. We're out. I mean, those things happen. I'm just being real with you. Like, I know a lot of angry pastors. And oftentimes it comes out in their preaching. It feels like they're preaching at you, not with you. So it happens to all of us. We all get hurt. And guess what? We've all hurt someone. Right? I have this vision of like billboards all over Michiana area and then like social media stuff that like says, Church on the Rock is for liars. I'm serious. I want to do this. Church on the Rock is for addicts. And then in parentheses at the bottom, but no perfect people allowed. <laughs> we are all sinners, whatever the sin is. And that's why we say all the time, come as you are, just don't stay that way. That's why we've started a recovery ministry in a very short amount of time because we're serious about walking through things. We're young, we're still trying to staff and, and get volunteers, so we, we're not gonna always get it right, but... I want to tell you, the heart is we want to walk with everybody through whatever struggle is going on in their life. And we all have them. And I'm telling you right now, anger held on to will keep this church, it will keep your relationships from all that they could be. Because at the end of the day, and this is the second thing, they have they have to be released. You have to identify and release it. Do you know what forgive means? It means to forego. To forgive is to forego. And it goes back to that quote. It's to say, this is not a debt and debtor relationship with this person. And maybe some of you don't have a relationship with. This is not, I continue to hold on to this anger because it's my right. I don't have that right. To forgive says, I, I get rid of that right. I release that right to still hold on to this against you. It is not my right. And I want to tell you when it stopped being my right, when Jesus died on the cross for us. Because he forego, he foregoed, forwent, thank you. He forwent, I knew it didn't sound right, I just didn't know why. I just thought we need a grammar teacher in the front row just to whisper when I get it really off. He forwent the right as a perfect God to keep us in debt. We can't say we love like Jesus if we change the rules on love. The cross is the constant reminder that we don't have the right to hold on to that anger. We have to forego the right to keep them in our debt as Jesus did. Come on, church. Amen? One day, two monks were walking through the countryside. They're on their way to another village to help bring the crops as they walked, they saw an old woman sitting at the edge of the river. 
She was upset because there was no bridge and she couldn't get across on her own. The, the first monk kindly offered to carry her across. So the two men joined hands, lifted her between them and carried her across the river. And when they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes, he said. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river. My back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff as we speak. First monk just smiled, nodded his head. A few more miles up the road, the second monk griped again. My, hurt is, my back is hurting so badly, and it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I cannot go any farther because of the pain. First monk looked it down at his partner, now lying on the ground moaning. Have you ever wondered why I'm not complaining? He asked, getting no reply. Your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. I say this as your shepherd, as your friend, it is time for some of you to set her down. And stop carrying that extra weight that's hindering you. It's hurting you. I think I mentioned it last week or the week before, right? Bitterness is like drinking poison and thinking it's gonna kill the other person. To not forgive it's yourself, right? It's myself when I do it that's, that's being hurt and keeping me and preventing from us a well-lived life. And, and today is the day for some of you to officially release it. I choose to forgive this person. Doesn't even necessarily mean you ha have a relationship with them, but to release that. I no longer get that right. I want to love like Jesus. Going back to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, after he talked about anger, he said this, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know what Jesus is saying? Our walk with God is even hindered when we're not willing to forgive. He goes on and says, just kind of in a practical way, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. I think he's just given an example, but the idea is this. You're the one, when there's unresolved conflict, you're the one that suffers. Release it today. Number three, then dismiss it. And I know that sounds the same, right? There's a difference here, right? To release it is, is to acknowledge that you haven't forgiven. To release it is to officially. Now listen, hear my heart. 
In some cases, go to them. If at all possible, go to them. But I want, it, I want you to hear this. In some cases, the, the toxicness, the, the dysfunction of the individual, I want you to hear this, doesn't even permit you to do that, to, to open the door back into your life to do that. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. There are, you have to be wise too. That may not be wise to open that door, but you can still choose before God to forgive them. If it's possible, go to them. If it's so toxic and, and harmful, but let that go. Officially release it. Well, then what, what does dismiss it mean? Here's what it means. The feelings do not always keep in step with your faith. You can, by faith, forgive, but that doesn't mean there's still in your heart those feelings that still tie you in a knot. So here's what I mean. It means, even though you've officially forgiven them, there are times and times where Satan is trying to, right, get back in there, right? It, hear me. It doesn't mean, if you have that, it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. I hear that all the time from people. I thought I forgive, forgave them, but, but I didn't because now I feel, that doesn't mean you didn't forgive them. It just means now you're dealing with the feelings that still take time to heal. And so you have to dismiss those and learn to address those. Let me give you an example, a very real example. Corey Ten Boom. Some of you have heard of Tori, Corey Ten Boom. Wrote the book, The, the Hiding Place. She, along with her family, had been imprisoned in Nazi concentration camp. Some of her family members ended up dying there. They were treated very cruelly while there. But Corey survived. And many years later, she began to travel and to speak and to write. And after one of her talks, an older man extended his hand to Corey Tinboom and asked for forgiveness. He was one of the guards at the camp who had abused her family. She had to stop and pray, but ultimately she extended her hand and released it. She canceled the debt with the man. But she had some interesting things to say about the emotions after she forgave. This is good. She said that when we release when we officially forgive someone, it's like letting go of the rope attached to the bell of a chapel. Though we have released it, the bell still gongs. But it gongs less and less and less and less over time. She said, this is like forgiveness. You release the rope of unforgiveness, but your emotions are like the bell. It still rings. <laughs> but over time, I would add, when you release or dismiss and pay attention to it, it rings less and less until it's gone. Amen? That's good wisdom, not for me, from Corey Ten Boom. 
Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, repay no one evil for evil, because that's the temptation. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Let me just stop. Here's why I'm reading this, and I'm beginning to wrap up here. Because there's still in each of us this temptation to say, but they deserve to be hurt. They deserve to be held accountable to this. Come on now. And I've thought this way too. If I forgive them, they haven't gotten what they deserve. We're letting them off the hook. No. Paul is saying, possible depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Our job is to be at peace. If they're not peaceful, this is a whole other thing here. If you forgive someone and you're at peace and they're not at peace with you, you still have done your part. You can have peace because you sought peace. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Come on, church. That's when your light shines the brightest. Like a city on a hill. When you can do that. When you choose to do that. All of this to say this. The Ten Commandments brings us back to the gospel. If the Ten Commandments do not bring us back to the gospel, then we have read them with Old Testament lenses and we are thinking about behavior modifications modification instead of heart transformation. The gospel transforms the heart. Hear me, not just at salvation. Don't ever stop preaching the gospel to yourself each and every day. Because you look at some of these commandments and it's like, I don't know if I could ever do that. Yes, you can. You got gospel power. And you have a gospel picture of Jesus to follow. Would you close your eyes for just a second, for a moment, and just listen to these words. Surely, Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, not us, him, the iniquity of us all. Church. God did not give what we deserved. He chose to forgive us. And that was the cost, what I just read. As the band comes up, I'll end with these words, friends. The cross eliminates any excuses for holding on to anger. Would you say that with me? The cross eliminates any excuses for holding on 
to our anger. As I wrap it up, I'll wrap it up with this quote from John Stott. Every time we look at the cross, Christ seems to be saying to us, I am here because of you. It is your sin I am bearing, your curse I am suffering, your debt I am paying, your death I am dying. Nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. All of us have inflated views of ourselves until we have visited a place called Calvary. It is there at the foot of the cross that we shrink to our true size. When you're getting riled up because someone has said something about you or done something, and that anger begins to rise, and friends, it is a natural reaction, but we need a supernatural God (laughs) to keep it from becoming an unhealthy and unholy thing. In that moment, go to the cross. Let us shrink to our true size. And be reminded, we forgive because he has forgiven us. And all God's people said, amen. Would you bow your heads? Nobody looking. If you're here today and you're like Pastor Tony, I need to forgive someone. And I'm scared. And a big part of me doesn't even want to. But I know today I have to let go of that. I have to release that. Would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor Tony, will you pray for me? I want to release this. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. 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 I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come back up here as we close with a song. If you raise your hand and you're willing to say, and come forward and just say, I want you to pray for me to do this. I mean it. I want to do that then in this closing song, I want to encourage you to do that. But let me pray right now. Father God, thank you for your holy and precious word. Father, thank you for the truths. They're not always easy truths, but Father, we have gospel power flowing through our spiritual veins. And so we can do this in your strength, God. We can let those things go. We can release those things. And instead of an angry heart, you produce a loving, gentle, a heart that reflects the fruits of the Spirit. For those that raise their hand, Father, whether they come forward for prayer or not, I pray for each and every one of them, Father. Give them the courage. Give them the strength, Father, to release what needs to be released so they can love in holy and healthy ways, so they can reflect the love of Jesus Christ who forgave, was willing to forgive any sin when he went to that cross. We pray this for your glory in Jesus' name, amen.